Hello, and welcome back to the show. This is the Soundboard Podcast, and I am Austin Shepard Woodruff, your host. My guest today is Isaiah Sanderman, a local Chicago musician and someone who has long time been involved with Motley, as well as some of the other DIY events that have been going on in the group that founded Motley. Now, what's really fun about today's episode is that Isaiah brings his perspective to bear on a couple of really interesting questions that we've touched on in other episodes, but for today's episode, I'm very excited to hear what he has to say on artist to audience relationships. In a lot of his music and a lot of the philosophy behind his music, Isaiah brings a very communal, communitarian, and connective energy. It's been very cool to hear his, the, him talk about his influences, how he thinks about how to listen to music in particular. This is also something that I think is always interesting to ask an artist is how they pay attention to their craft as compared to how other people might pay attention to their craft. We talk a lot about perspective and perception today, which I'm very clearly, right? <laughs> so in other terms, we also talk about some of the projects that's going on that are going on for Isaiah, as well as some of what's going on for him as an artist long term, which is always another interesting question for younger people. So please join me in welcoming Isaiah onto the Soundboard Podcast. Isaiah. Austin. Welcome. What's up, dude? Oh my god, it's so good to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Dude, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to also have this one uh, where the computer turned on, so. I know. Yeah, always good when the computer works. <laughs> yeah, good place to start. Now, I want to kind of begin the conversation here with tying down a couple of details of some of the work that you're doing right now as a musician. Yeah. So can I hear about some of what's going on? So right now I'm in my last year of music school. I'm about to be in my last year of music school and I'm taking very few classes. Mm. Um, I basically like have my degree in my mind. <laughs> so in terms of just like what else I'm taking, I'm taking one history class essentially. So I'm teaching a lot for some bread mm. and teaching about four days a week. Um, it's kind of a lot for a full-time student. Yeah. Playing in a few groups right now. Um, of course, I have my own band that we're going to talk about, Say yeah. Zan Party. I'm also playing a saxophone, just like saxophone, sometimes flute, in Calaveras LD, which mm. is a Spanish rock cover band. Wow. Spanish fusion, really, because it's not all rock. Yeah. Um, play like some Snarky Puppy, some Lettuce. Oh, shit. Yeah. And then like a bunch of Spanish songs. Um, they're gigging a lot. Like we had every Saturday in May booked, um, had like a weekly residency at this really cool place called La Tequileria. Whoa. And I'm also playing in Kevin and Hell, which is this jazz rock group. Um, to me, another girl on sax who's really great, Natalie mm. Landy. Got this killing trombone player, and then it's like a rock band, bass, guitar, drums, piano. Wow. Um, and we have a monthly gig at Cafe Mustache. Yeah. And we play uh, some house shows and other events. Like we're playing modes on Friday. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, so playing as much as I can, writing when I can. Yeah. Um, trying to stay up on like all my instruments, you know, flute, sax, and singing. Wow. And piano. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what's up with me musically right now. Just a couple things. <laughs> yeah, just a couple things. Oh my gosh, and you're balancing all this with school. Yeah. That's <laughs> tough. <laughs> It sounds to me like you're already doing what you've been practicing and training to do. Very close to right at that level. Yeah. Which is kind of what I want. Like, a lot of people either don't think about, like, getting all that stuff in motion ahead of time. Right. So they kind of, in a lot of cases, will suffer. But a lot of people are really shy about their mm. playing. Like, I don't even want to play in public until I'm really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think about it more like... The most likely way I'll be playing in a band when I graduate is if I'm playing in a band before I graduate. Right, right. And I think, not that I'm like the best sax player ever, but I think I'm <laughs> like, there's no reason why I shouldn't be playing right now. Yeah. 
Well, I think hitting the ground running, yeah, especially in the, the whole framework of like school, mm-hmm. is the people that I've heard who have had real real trouble after graduation were the ones that are kind of like you know taken aback by like coming out of the framework of school and being like, oh shit, by the way, I you know have to live an adult life now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if if you have if you have it going already that this is what you want to be doing, this is how you want to be you know working. And learning and growing. I mean, that's just so exciting to hear. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting to be a part of. It is a ton of work, but I'm used to doing a ton of work. Yeah. And this is good work. Right. This is not labor, like restaurant labor or right. retail labor. It's good labor. Yeah. You know, I've mentioned this in a couple of the other episodes of the podcast. Um, a good friend of mine, Andy Warren Jepson, who we actually did another episode. Um, we talked in that episode specifically about how working on your art and in particular, I think music, this is apparent. You, you end up very much tuning into who you are as a person, like spiritually. Right. And so music is an, is, is just a medium in which you can like really, really meditate physically on what's happening inside. You know, and especially as a musician where you're playing with many different kinds of people and playing different kinds of music, you're exposing yourself to different opportunities and different ways of playing. And that, that, that to me is just so exciting because then you have this cross-pollination effect, right? Absolutely. So in terms of, it, it sounds like there are a couple of different kinds of music that you've been producing and playing. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of, you know, I, I always have a problem with talking about like genres. Yeah. Right. Cause genres is kind of its own, you know, end game, but what's some, what are some of the influences in music that you've been playing and, and really listening to recently? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, well, a couple of things I want to just uh, say really briefly. First is I meant no offense to restaurant workers or retail oh, workers, no, no, obviously. No. Of course. I just meant that I used to be forced to do that kind of work because I had no other options. Right. Um, and also, yeah, what you said about playing with people mm-hmm. and getting to know yourself, it's super important. I mean, anyone who's tried to write or make art, you realize pretty fast you run out of things that are not related to yourself like <laughs> quickly you can't you can only write so much about like the external world right um so that's definitely experience and also yeah when you get into the mix when you get into the scene your life like doing anything will change the course of your life essentially right so like most of the opportunities i have right now i wasn't looking for in any specific way mm. Um, but I was kind of just putting myself out there. Yeah. And it came to me. Um, kind of like the opportunity. This great quote, luck is, he, is when opportunity meets preparation. <laughs> In a way, that's, that's pretty spot on. That's pretty spot on. Right. Um, and so you asked what I've been listening to. Um, it's kind of my job to listen to a lot of different things. Yeah, I bet. Almost uh, definitely things I don't like at times. Mm. Just so that I'm like, I have to be able to play a lot of styles. If I want to keep working. Yeah. So, uh, but I always get a decent amount of jazz in my diet because I'm still in jazz school. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of on a kick, which is definitely a recent thing of like really wanting to expand my vocabulary on the horn. Mm. Um, whereas before I was just kind of thinking more generally about style. Yeah. But yeah. now I'm getting back into nitty gritty because I'm like, I'm in school, I'm paying for it. I might as well get all that knowledge now. But I'm also in the Spanish rock band, like I said, so I'm listening to a lot of Latin music, um, like straight eighth note stuff instead of swung eighth note stuff. Mm. Um, I'm listening to... I was trying to stay up on pop and hip-hop. Yeah. Um, so right now I've been listening to... Uh, yeah, I always spin damn yeah. every once in a while. Um, looking out for like some John Legend stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And I like to let, honestly, my friends who are not musicians give me music. Oh, that's really cool. Because I know whatever they're listening to is probably what a lot of people are listening to. That's a good point. Right. So, like, SZA has been throwing my way a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like her. Um, A couple names are escaping me, but uh, I know that some of my friends have shown me a couple of cool bands lately. Um... And I've also been getting back into classic rock a bit. <laughs> oh, right on. I just joined actually this like rock cover band, like American rock, like 80s Tom Petty t- style. Oh, stuff. sweet. 
Um, so yeah, I try to keep it broad and I try to really be aware of like genre is a word that I think is not that valuable. Mm-hmm. I kind of get that vibe from you too. Yeah. Um, but style, especially to your performer, is really important. Yeah, certainly. Um, like it's maybe people do or don't realize, but like the smallest things, like just whether or not you accent a certain note in a phrase, yeah, can completely change the style. Right. Or whether or not you play with dynamics or like loud all the time can completely change the style. Yeah. So I'm always trying to look for, and the audience will feel those those subtleties even if they don't recognize it. Yeah. So I'm trying to be aware of all, all the things that are going on in the world stylistically, mm. and then try to be really intentional about what I'm doing. Yeah. Because it's also super easy to just be autopiloting and playing in a certain way that's like my playing would probably have a tendency to autopilot towards a jazz style. Mm. So I have to be conscious when I'm playing other styles that I'm not that I'm A, doing the right things, and B, not doing the wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So this leads me into another one of the questions that I wanted to really bring up and focus on here with you, which was that uh, for the for the magazine, we have this short copy publication that we've been coming out with. So it's, just, it's a special issue, special commission, uh, targeting specifically uh, we had... I started working with I, I directed the project so I you know we worked with you know Mac the photographer yeah. we worked with the poet we worked with um, a graphic designer we worked with uh, a visual artist all of these people who you know have other mediums as well that they work in but the whole point was thinking as it's called vision thinking visually yeah and as, as interesting as it is it, you know it, it just some of, some of the conversations and discourse that we had about it led me into thinking about how musicians think like sonically or orally or audibly right and it sounds to me like you have this entire lexicon of just musical presence um to an extent um i think i have a decent um breadth and depth going on right now although i know i could easily give you like 50 names of people who are better at it than me (laughs) or like older than me and just have been doing it longer right um, but yeah, um, I definitely, I try to paint a broad palette, I guess, mm-hmm. or at least be able to when I choose. Um, but the interesting thing is when you, I often try to think as little about the sound as possible when I'm writing, especially for Zaya. Huh. Um, I was doing this really interesting exercise with a friend, our mutual friend, Sam. Yeah. yeah. Um, where we just take like Kanye, Lady Gaga, like um, Jay Z, mm. or just like literally only the top five or ten most popular artists in the world, right? Um, and we just ask like, how can we? Justin Bieber was another one. Yeah. If we thought these people were selling themselves in ways that really had nothing to do with their music, huh? But more with like their image in a certain sense. Sure. Because like no one is saying like I love the bass on Taylor Swift, you know? <laughs> but she has a vibe that they connect with. Right. And same with Kanye. Kanye's like the genius, so he's reinventing himself. Like, Taylor Swift, in my mind, was like a mirror for 22 year old girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just kind of th- trying to think more and more in these kind of like uh, ideas or uh, images or vibes. Mm. Like, what, what do I want people to think of when they think of Zay's Aunt Party besides musical terms? How can I describe myself in non musical terms so that non-musicians can actually connect with it right it's super easy for musicians to start thinking like oh i want to write a song in seven four or there's a weird time feel or i want to do this weird harmony thing because it Mm. sounds cool Mm -hmm. but that's going to be lost on anyone who doesn't get those things right um so i have to like be constantly checking myself like can this actually relate to a normal person (laughs) or is this just like a wonky music theory thing that i think is cool well it's interesting you bring that up because when i lived with matt garvin you know it was really interesting it was was like really fucking fun first of all yeah but part of the reason it was fun was exactly because he was you know a mathematician and a musician Mm -hmm. and i'm very much a writer and you know studying like literature philosophy so so you know different fields and different interests and different priorities right um but there would be this this common discourse of either we would be able to share influences with one another or 
somehow like I listened to different music because he was listening to certain kinds of music. Totally. And it was it was really cool to see because, you know, as a as a kind of product of culture, music provides some ground into thinking about you know the insights of you know who, what people are thinking about and caring about. Totally. So something that I always admired about Matt, something I admire about you, and something I admire about the musicians that I know personally is that they've developed a criti- an ear for critical listening. And that's that's a skill that I'm very much trying to, you know, develop myself. But it's it's kind of one of those moments where, <laughs> where you're like, wow, I could spend the rest of my life learning just one style of music and then barely scratch the surface on what was possible. 100%. Oh my gosh. Yeah, already there's like, I need 100 lifetimes. Yeah. To do what I would hope to do in a single lifetime. Yeah. I think it's like that whenever you have, oh, there's another great quote that sometimes guides me, which is if you can accomplish your goals in your lifetime, you're mm. thinking too small. <laughs> oh, that's pretty ambitious, man. I love it. I like it. It, like, it helps you feel like part of something greater than yourself. Yeah. Forwarding the motions. For me, it's forwarding the conversation of music. Yeah. For you, it's low, actually a lot of different kinds of art, I guess, with Molly, which is awesome. It's that's very that's very true, but I, I think a, a big part of it is tuning in to some of like what you care about. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. You, we've talked a little bit already, Isaiah, about some of the different similarities, differences between some of your your interests creatively and some of you know our own. But it's 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 really fucking cool to have <laughs> that point of connection of. It's really wait. We both think it's really goddamn. Like don't don't let me speak for you, but like yeah. I think we've said a little bit. Go like, for it. It's really goddamn important to be doing the work that we're doing right now creatively. Hundred percent agree. You know, and especially as young people working for themselves, not working for other people, not having other people give them permission to do their art. Yeah. You know, there's a whole there's a whole like gaslighting tradition of of people, especially like you know, in surrounding suburbs and surround even in the city where people trick themselves or are tricked into thinking that what they feel doesn't matter yeah and what they and and their experiences don't matter because there's you know a social hierarchy in place that says so yeah in my mind creative work artistic work and especially musical work flies right in the face of that you are connecting with people you are introducing new paradigms you are really like and i mean this in earnest you are creating new possibilities for how people engage with one another. Definitely. God, I love hearing you put it that way. Um, yeah, I think it's super important, which is uh, kind of a new perspective for me, honestly. Really? Yeah, I mean, I left music school. Uh, I just did a year of music school after a year of not doing music school. Mm. And when I left, I honestly thought, I was feeling very down about art and artists, and mm. I was thinking, like, no one no one actually cares about this. It's not that important. Like, why am I wasting all my time going into this metal tube? Um, If no one even cares when I hit the high G sharp, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I was not in a good place with it, but I, when I was away from music, I started to notice how much I missed it. Yeah. And I started to notice the place it fills in people's lives who aren't musicians. And I started to see that art in fact, gives life a lot of the meaning. Like, a lot of people yeah. who are in a position that you described where maybe they've ignored their feelings or they've had to sacrifice something, um, so they just have to kind of work maybe on inspiring jobs. Right. Or inspiring caught- <laughs> jobs. That's such a good way to put it. <laughs> maybe they're caught in a tough place and they live for art almost. Like, yeah. they, when they come home at five, they need some good art right. or they don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and be- even if you don't, even if you're not in like a desperate place, um, art does still change lives and bring people together. And like, how many people have had a great experience at a live music show where they like yeah. made a new friend, right? Or found a new girlfriend or boyfriend, or just found a new band they like that maybe ten years later they're like, hey, do you like Violet Femmes? It's like, oh yeah, love that band now. Like, I don't know. it's definitely a good place for human connection. Which is an essential uh, paradigm that's just changing so fast right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely glad. I see myself as like a, I think I mentioned this to you before, 
in not, I'm not saying there's a culture war, but I see yeah. myself as a warrior for culture. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and when I think about kind of tie back to what we were talking with imagery and so forth right um it becomes a lot easier to make choices about my music when i have an idea in mind yeah if i know i want a song that i can play in a club that'll make people dance and groove and laugh now i can make some choices about Mm -hmm. you know what kind of i need this beat to be danceable it's like an objective standard i can have against it yeah um and i can make choices from there i do like to slip in uh, some of that wonky music stuff, <laughs> but I do it very secretly and subtly so that almost no one except the people on stage with me playing it yeah. know what's up. Oh, um, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, it's so funny, man. Like, <laughs> I, have, I stole this progression in one of my songs I'll be playing tonight from yeah. The weekend, from uh, really? the end of Earned It, <laughs> and I covered it for a house show once, and I it blew my mind like how I'd never seen this progression in like all my music theory or anything Whoa. totally like fresh just hip hop and by ear so I stole it from one of my songs and that's the kind of thing that makes my musicians love playing otherwise simple music right I, I really like my musicians and really respect them and I got them because I think they're really good mm-hmm. so I've always been kind of worried that they wouldn't even want to play my like mm. f- at times like four chord song songs yeah yeah um, but they always come up after me and they're like, yeah, that was really fun to play. And I give them chances to solo occasionally and I make the progressions. I try my best so that they're still sounding in a way that almost anyone can just think is good. Right. Can groove along to, um, not like ag- aggressive or sharp sounding too much. Yeah. But that the musicians are like still a little bit challenged by. Right. Which is a tough line to walk. That's got to be a really hard line to walk. I mean, it sounds very fulfilling, though. Super fulfilling. It's always been fun to see in a room where you have, even if it's just a house show, you have people performing, and you look at people, and I mean this because, you know, I would look at Matt sometimes to see how he was listening to a show that we were at, or we were hosting, right? Because when we were at Draper, we did a lot of that. But I would look and see, and I'd be like, oh, I see what he did there. That's really cool. Or I see, I'm, I'm listening to how she's playing, and... I really like the way she got around that one little skip of the beat. You know, it's, it's just really cool to kind of be able to tune into some of those those moments where you're like, like tipping the hat to somebody. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I call that like zooming out. Zooming out. How do you mean? Um, like if you're paying too close attention, um, then if you're just like kind of mesmerized by the music sometimes you think like oh that all sounds good Mm -hmm. but if you zoom out a little bit then you start to notice like the form of the song Mm -hmm. and when they mess with the form Mm -hmm. and when they do things like skip a beat yeah if you're just following one beat to the next you don't know if a beat has been skipped right but if you zoom out enough to know that there's like a four beat phrase and they've added a fifth beat then you catch that stuff if you catch lyrics in (laughs) Zaya songs you know uh, there's some funny moments there for you, some nuggets. <laughs> um, and by the way, for listeners, Matt Garvin, uh, that we've yeah. been talking about, played guitar on Flute from Beyond. That's right. My album did a phenomenal job, so go check that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know what? Matt is a great example of someone who gets style. Yeah, yeah, he really does. I put him on that album because I knew he would nail that style. Yeah. Not because he can play like a certain jazz lick. Right. That's irrelevant. That's an issue I see with a lot of like, maybe just my own mentality, but I'm sure other people too think like, Mm. this guy's a good, he can shred on his instrument. Yeah. Doesn't always mean they're going to fit right for the style. Oh, that makes so much sense. I mean, you you see that I think a lot, especially in like creative, like writing workshops Mm -hmm. or, um, intense discussions with people like you know I've, I've been at tables uh for like philosophical debates in 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 the department i mean when i was at DePaul, but we would have you would be able to just very clearly tell the subtleties and nuances that either made someone available to what you know was at stake in the conversation or just completely turned off from it you know and so mm-hmm. when someone's really getting into the like the style of it like tuning into that that's it's very rewarding to recognize that. Definitely. It makes you feel more engaged yeah. like, in the conversation with that yeah. person. There's like a whole other level at play. A whole other level. Yeah. 
Well, this breaks directly into the next question I wanted to ask you, which was, you know, as a musician, you're doing a lot of coordinating with different people and different artists, and you've talked a little bit already about, you know, the other, you know, some of the opportunities you have to play different styles of music and, and different kinds of music, really, you know? Yeah. But what I'm also very interested in hearing is about your composition. What is what goes into the work of composition for you? Uh, well, really good question. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it, obviously. Um, I guess the three main things I always have to think about is like the what feeling do I want the audience to have when they hear it? Right. Um, I think about uh, leaving space for I think about the people that I want to play the music. Yeah, yeah. Which is something I don't see in a lot of modern records that are very popular sometimes. Um, I really want that human element to my song. Like I want to write for my guitarist. Yeah. Because I know how he plays and I know what he wants to play. I know what he can do really well. So I like to leave space for all the members of my band to contribute something in a way that just a random studio cat couldn't yeah. necessarily. Um, and then I have to think about like the musical structure. I have to think about like the harmony and what kinds of rhythms I want to use. Mm. Um, things like that. Although the more I write, the more that stuff is almost almost comes with the first part of like the message. I <laughs> um, which is a really weird experience because it's not how writing music was for me in high school or middle school or even early college. Yeah. Um, and I also think about. There's another kind of paradigm that's entered my view lately, mm. only after I really started performing my own music, which is some songs are really good for recordings, but not that good live. Really? Yeah, and some songs are really good live, but not that good for recordings. How so? Um, it could be some different reasons for that, but largely, for instance, I avoid slower, softer songs live. Mm. Uh, simply because my experience as an audience member is sometimes that it gets painfully slow. <laughs> when I've heard other bands do that, yeah. I do think in a lot of sets there's a place to slow it down. Yeah. But oftentimes at just like a regular bar gig, um, you can play a good forty-five minute set without really getting to that place. You oh, only yeah. have it seems like a short amount of time, honestly, forty-five minutes. Right. To like play a seven-minute slow song. Yeah. Or even a three-minute. Um, so slowness can be a thing. Um, I've also felt like I've lost the audience at times when I've done some of my slower songs. Mm. Um, there's sometimes, like, one of my compositions I say, um, prop, uh, presidents are fleeting, problems never last. We're on a fucking rock, so raise a fucking glass. And I hold up my arm, like, I hold up my glass of beer or whatever I have yeah. on stage. So I get the whole crowd to, like, raise their beer, like, buy another <laughs> drink or something. And that's something that I thought was, like, that's a live moment yeah. that I put in that wouldn't mean anything on a record. You know, one wants mm -hmm. to, like, hear that really on a record. You're sitting, chilling on your couch or whatever. Right. Um, I think a lot more about groove and, like, the drum beat mm. when I'm thinking about songs that are going to be played live. Yeah. And I'm thinking a little more about subtleties when I'm thinking about recorded music. Huh. I might make a little a denser chord mm -hmm. or I might add like an additional counter melody perhaps mm -hmm. or I could always add like a little violin or something in the background on a record right um, so I just basically want the songs that are best live to be played live yeah, yeah. even though I could play another song live I want songs that are best for the records to be put on the records yeah I, I also feel like considering just the very different mediums in which those actions take place you know with when you have it live you have this whole physical idiom exactly right and, and you can play to that you know that's that's something especially considering that <laughs> you have an audience in front of you exactly and so playing the music is not just about playing the music for the sake of playing the music it's about playing music for these people that are in front of you right that are that are there in the space with you right and so the whole political dynamics of, of artist and, and art, an audience uh, or become like heightened and yes. it's right the fuck there you know and you have this really cool opportunity to like connect with people um, and, and, and what's layered with that is then the, the, the bigger challenge of 
like how do you best communicate what you're trying to communicate exactly in that moment you know that is crucial um it's crucial because that's exactly how audiences react into your music right your music is only experienced by other people yeah so i think an artist should think about how other people are experiencing that music i think the trap is just to say like i want to write a good song yeah and when you've written a good song to play it regardless of the context right um a good song is a good song but if you i think if you want to keep advancing as fast as possible right then you want to play to your contexts yeah play the context to your strengths um another i guess i could analogize this to like i'm playing fortnite lately yeah. <laughs> sorry to all the women who have boyfriends <laughs> that play fortnite <laughs> but uh or like super smash bros melee is another game i play that's really technical mm-hmm. so there's like a strategy a lot of young people have where they try to just like muscle their way through and like if you're really good at the controls of the game uh, you can win on the strength of being a better player yeah yeah but much like people who are much worse players can win if they just outthink you right in a moment so i'm trying more and more to make sure i'm writing music that will serve me the best yeah not just write as like a labor yeah that's that's a really good way to put it i've i've found a lot of difficulty recently considering some of the recent transitions in my own personal life uh to really sit down and write Mm-hmm. Uh, full-length short stories or you know full service uh, blog or anything like that but what I have started to do and have been like started to do more I should say because I've been doing this for you know a year or two now is writing letters to people because mm-hmm. it's just a different exercise and it, there's a different audience there's a different context there's a different purpose all of those different reasons for writing manifest themselves very clearly because then it's it's not it's not hard to write that yes it's not hard to play when the priority is to pursue a certain kind of feeling as opposed to like looking at a blank fucking page and being like oh i have to try and feel everything and that's just that's just not the case Mm -hmm. that that is so spot on it's it's such a funny realization i had when i was like i don't have to write every experience I thought I've ever had into one song. Right. <laughs> and I don't have to make, like, every song a hit. Yeah, yeah. If you think about the greatest bands or artists ever, people only like a couple of songs per album, usually. Right. Or, like, their single is massively more popular than the rest of their album. Yeah. So I just... That's how I got into... Just, like, I'll pick a vibe, I'll pick a message, and I'll write this song, and if I have other things I need to express, they can come out in other songs. Yeah piece by piece and side note writing letters man such like such a real way to connect with people yeah it really is i love getting letters wow do I you want to write letters to each other <laughs> we should we should be pen pals oh my god i'm so down dude hell yeah i've been doing that for a while and it's been fun because as soon as i moved back home to be with my folks and into it you know build up some saving and whatever also just doing the responsible thing of like, okay, gotta take care of that, whatever. Anyway, as soon as I had a stable residency, I was like, put the word out. So there's, you know, I'm writing to people like all across the country, like Oregon, California, Colorado. Who are you writing to? Uh, people that I've met through some of my experiences here in the city, uh, mm-hmm. old friends. Uh, there've been a couple points, or you know, a couple people where it's like, we've only met in passing, and what, was you know what struck me was the connection that we had so we just was like hey i barely know you but do you want to write to each other and it's sometimes been a total fucking yeah yeah um and and that's been really cool and part of the challenge of course is that you know life comes up and there's other things going on but there's this really it's really goddamn wholesome yeah it's really goddamn wholesome (laughs) it's super wholesome i i think we made my impression is that culture in the U.S. cities has gotten a lot less wholesome. <laughs> wow, yes. I think that's a pretty safe statement to make. Right. And, but I do think a growing number of people are starting to turn the corner and come back a little uh, bit towards the wholesome side of the spectrum. I think in terms of, 
how those changes take place. A lot of people our age have either gone into recently or are coming out of recently uh, long stages and periods of cynicism. Yeah. Um, you know, if that's coupled with substance abuse, if that's coupled with just emotional unavailability from oneself, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- there's a, it's pretty fucking hard to grow up, especially considering like considering the social context. And I'm gonna drop this term. I've used it before in this podcast, but considering the context of late capitalism, when most of the wealth is in the hands of people who are, you know, sixty plus, yeah, or even our parents, you yeah. know, anywhere from like forty plus where most of the wealth is there and you have to do other things base menial labor in order to survive you have to figure out like you have to figure out ways to cope and sometimes ways to cope you know become their own problems yeah I mean that's how a lot of addiction starts right if you lean on something unhealthy to cope with the present yeah become reliant on it yeah um but yeah I mean talking about the current state of like how money moves yeah um I, i'm still someone who needs to dance <laughs> uh shout out to cardi b um i don't know it's really difficult it's a problem that we're all confronting um honestly there's a lot of people who i view as like rich kids mm. and i'm realizing even now like, all their parents' money is basically tied up into a house. Right. Which is something, but in a way it kind of exacerbates the contrast because now there's, like, there's still people with large amounts of cash right. and investments, and they're really soaking it up. People with six- to seven-figure houses are probably fine, but they're not soaking up, like, the 90% of all new income necessarily. Right. So they're still getting squeezed out 20 years from now, even if they're not getting squeezed out today. Right. Um, and that that drives a lot of things, man. Like it makes it harder for us all to be friendly to each other. I think. Right. When we're feeling like a little bit like every man's for himself, like mm-hmm. the walls are closing in, things are getting tighter. Yeah. I mean, on a very basic level, the more you have to work, the less you have time for friends. Right. right. And, and that whole that whole paradigm of you know some of you know the people who are are, are well off mm-hmm. you know prioritizing that over the connection of other people and then working so hard to keep their wealth and then what flies in the you know what ends up happening is that they have this abundance of things and a complete a complete loss of opportunity to connect with people that's the cost of that's the cost of wealth sometimes sometimes absolutely and like how many it was really crazy that like overnight almost i feel like when a lot of kids around my age went to college and started drinking yep we realized instantly like oh probably like half of the midwest has like an alcoholic parent yeah yeah oh for sure and that's got to be related to like the way they're working yes and what they're working for absolutely um, in in my yeah. mind, that 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 whole cultural transition and that whole cultural history that we're you know in the middle of, in the midst of, is is really the problem of embracing the problem as the solution. It's the problem masquerading as the solution. Can you explain that? What I mean by this is 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 more along the lines of how people turn to cynicism, turn to you know nihilism, and turn to really really comfortable distance from people making products out of their lives wanting careers more than families wanting wanting careers more than experiences yeah right that that whole turn which is you know in many ways a basic survival instinct Mm -hmm. considering the context we're living in definitely that becomes an obstacle that obstructs people from really accessing who they are inside yeah it's like I can't get this bullet out of my leg, so I'm just going to leave it in there. Right. And hope it doesn't get infected. Right. Um, And in the meantime, focus on, like, I don't know, getting wherever you need to go. Right. But that becomes a longer issue. It makes it harder to address the real issue. It makes it, yeah. Well, I know people who rely on drugs in order to feel. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a really, that's its own whole thing. 
but it, it's just, it's it's you know it's exactly a product of the the challenge of you know whether or not you're able to like really tune into what's what, what you're feeling so you know I say the reason I bring this up yeah. is exactly that against those cultural undertoes you know towards cynicism towards nihilism towards feeling completely alienated from yourself disenfranchised what some of the work that you've been doing and some of the work that I've, I've heard you've been doing for a while now has been with the utmost and earnest goal of connecting with people and bringing them together that is so that is life-giving <laughs> and thank you for sharing your music oh man that feels great to hear and great that you've noticed and feels good to do feels good to do it's it's really challenging sometimes um but it helps if you assume that he, what you're feeling is not unique mm-hmm. huh. uh, which is pretty safe assumption usually then it helps like if I recognize that deep down I would like to be closer to people and feel like part of a community mm-hmm. I'm sure other people are feeling that too yeah so it takes a little bit of faith to write music and play music with that in mind yeah but man the results I've seen are really good yeah. really positive I have felt like my sh- the shows I've played have been really fun to play. The crowd seems to really think they're fun. And like, I've played a decent amount of shows with a decent amount of bands mm. that were fine at best. Um, but it feels like there's kind of a magic in the air, and I'm getting reasonably close to sure that it's not just my own hubris. <laughs> like, I think my music is fantastic. Yeah. Like, I've had friends come to shows like repeatedly from far away yeah which it's one thing for a friend to come out to a show a lot of friends will do that to be nice but i'm reasonably confident these people aren't gonna come like 40 miles Mm. just to hear like music they hate (laughs) just to make me feel good for like 45 minutes and then leave home yeah yeah um i'm sorry you're saying five minutes yeah yeah left five minutes yeah oh sorry Dang. Okay, so we're running low on time here. No, but that's 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 that 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 is a great way to transition into it because I want to assure you that I I do actually think your music is phenomenal and I'm very excited about it. Thank you. You know, and, and in order to really embrace some of those opportunities that are coming up, I, I want to hear a little bit more from you about some of the basic details about like okay. Like, who are you playing with? What kind of music are you playing? Can we close with some of those ideas? Absolutely. We're just hoping to do that. Um, So, Zaya's Ant Party was born uh, summer of 2017. Um, I had been actually writing my album Flute from Beyond a little bit, Mm. but I didn't know much other than I wanted to play flute. Yeah, yeah. And I had some good tunes in mind about what my experience had been with women in my life, mm. relationships. Um, but I go to this Grateful Dead show with a couple of friends. My buddy came in from New York, and he, like, really last minute was like, I'm going to this Grateful Dead show at night. Mm. I'm like, okay, I'll meet up with you afterwards. <laughs> but at, like, 6.30, I realized, you know what? He's in town. Like, what is life if I don't just take this opportunity? I scalped some tickets, <laughs> and we had a phenomenal time. We decided to go back the following day. They were doing Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And we just sat outside the concert. And, it's, you know, I, inside on day one, there were thousands of people, obviously. Right. But I didn't realize that outside there were thousands of people. Whoa. <laughs> like, a, almost a, probably a complete circle around Wrigley. Oh. Like, three or four rows deep of people, like, camping out. Holy shit. And, like, obviously a lot of psychedelic drugs going on. Yeah. But uh, there is so much love in the air so many people like it's weird to not feel connected when you're literally surrounded by like 30,000 people yeah like that just is factually like a lot of people (laughs) right (laughs) um and it really made me think like wow people can still come together for a good time yeah uh so I really wanted my band to kind of uh vibe with that ethos yeah to be a place that a lot of people could come and feel connected Mm. Um, and so part of 
Part of that, I think, is a commitment to the present moment. Yeah. Which is why I leave room for some musicians to improvise in my shows. Mm. So that there's, there's every show is going to be unique. That's why every show except this one, I've been playing brand new music. This one, I wanted to just play stuff, but I actually rehearsed. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure it sounded good, but I. I really like to give I think it's a really cool experience when you go to a show and there's a new song being debuted oh yeah so I like to provide that when I can that's really exciting um thank you and as far as the musicians I play with go um such a great crew we have on trumpet really good friend of mine from music school Connor Bernhard mm. um he won the Luminarts competition in 2017 oh, um which is a really good local jazz competition like five grand um, I've got a really great drummer, Ruben Garza, who's been playing with me. Met him at Salt Roosevelt a few mm. years of my senior. Just one of those guys with a phenomenal feel for the style we've been talking about. Um, I play with Maxwell Clark on keyboard. He plays mm. in my other band, Kevin and Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met him there. He's really solid. Um, and I have Paul Hertzman on guitar. Another guy with phenomenal style feel, kind of like Matt Garvin. Oh, yeah. Um, he and I went to Roosevelt together. I guess I have a few people from that school now. <laughs> My original band was actually almost no one except Max was in it. Huh. Um, I had a lot of changeover because people just got busy or whatnot. Bass, I have Austin Gerbel, a friend mm-hmm. of Motley. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, where's Fernando? He's a senior at DePaul. He's solid. Um, I think that's everyone, actually. Guitar, bass, drums, piano, trumpet. I basically try to pick people that I knew and yeah. actually had a relationship with, right. that I knew were really solid. They're all very intelligent musicians. Like I can mm-hmm. hand them a piece of music, they'll understand the style, the feel, they'll understand what their role is. Yeah. Um, which is really important because a lot of my shows, like I don't have a lot of time to rehearse with my band. Right. I need people who can understand a great deal of musical information at once. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I pay everybody in my band. Nice. Because I think they deserve it. Snaps, um, snaps. Yeah. I, I honestly don't... Even though some of them have said, like, I'll do this for free. Right. I'm like, no, I want you to have this money. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for playing with me, you know? Um, sorry, I don't want to rush too much, but I know that we have to wrap up, so... Um, could you hit me with a couple more of those questions as a refresher? Yeah, please. So some of how I wanted to kind of close out was thinking about where you wanted to go with your music. Yeah. So um, ultimately, I'd like us to be able to reach a lot of people. Yeah. I'd like to be playing really big shows because I think most of the magic for Zaya's Ant Party happens live. Um, it's all about giving you that feeling right. of being connected with people and having a good time. Um, so I will be putting some stuff out on record, but if you want to catch the magic, you got to come to a show. There you go. There you um, go. I will, I'll be I'll be letting Austin know when some show times are coming up. You can you all can check out. Um, and there's also two one one thing I want to say about the way I write yeah. and what I'm going for Please. is kind of two beasts the way I see it um, you know we all have the, the good wolf and the bad wolf inside <laughs> us and uh, most of the songs I've written so far are about I would say sticking to the goodness mm. in a way um, but also acknowledging the badness yeah <laughs> like um, one of my songs all your friends I say in the chorus like I never want to see you again. Mm. Uh, I'm going to try to fuck all your friends. Oh, that's right. I remember this one. So that's acknowledging, like, we've all felt impulses that, like, we don't want to admit, right? Right. Um, Things that are not, like, a moral way of behaving. But um, Carl Jung has this great quote that's, like, you can only beat the beast by embodying it. Or something Mm. to that. Don't quote me on that exactly, but the main idea is you have to understand the depths of your own evil right your, your own baseness your own ape evolution brain that controls a lot of your mind um, and when you acknowledge it and when you see it for what it is then you can start addressing it and overcoming it that's right so I'm kind of looking to bring some of that out into my future music I have a song coming out called Instinct um, it's like I have an instinct an instinct to kill <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Because I think honestly, if you can dance to your own like inner beast, that's a good time. That's like, definitely a good time. You're definitely gonna walk out of that show feeling like really good. Yeah. So there'll be a mix and match. Um, I also like to keep it in like the pop hip hop style. Right. It's a really um, cool sound to hear and to play. Um, but you can expect me to keep mixing it up. You can expect me to explore at times more heavy like rap and lyricism. Mm-hmm. You can expect me at times to show off the instrumental talent I have with me. Yeah. Um, and overall, you can expect to keep um, bumping along to some music that will hopefully make you feel better about the world, um, help you realize that we all are, we all have a lot more in common yeah. than we have difference. Well, Isaiah, I have to say, I'm very excited for what's coming up for you. I'll be sure to spread word for when things are scheduled, and I just really want to thank you again for coming on the show and talking about this because it. It's such a treat to hear what you're working on and also to really connect with you on some of these really urgent needs of acknowledging these things, right? Yeah, I mean, I had a great time, and I feel like we only scratched the surface, honestly. This is this is only the first episode you and I are going to do. There will be more. Don't worry. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for listening. Now, we've got some cool stuff happening very soon here. Coming up is going to be, on June 8th, the show at the Cubby Bear for Zaya and Zaya's aunt party. It's on June 8th at the Cubby Bear, right? Now, that project's going to be working with some other cool people, some other cool musicians, very, very fun music. So be sure to be there. Hope to see a lot of folks out. Now, in addition to that, on May 25th, so not next week but the week after that we've got some very cool things happening with motley we've got the motley presents the 80s it's an 80s themed party slash fundraiser slash gallery so be sure to be on the lookout for some more information about that as well as if you're around reach out to one of the hosts of the event we'll be able to help you out find the find the venue for that and furthermore We've got big news coming soon about the release of our fourth issue of the magazine, which is going to come out later in June. So be sure to submit now. Be sure to look out for information coming about both of those you know, events, or all of those events, really. And uh, as always, stay tuned for more. We've got some huge summer plans. We're very excited to announce them. So we'll have, uh, we'll have more word on that later. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Soundboard Podcast at Motley Podcasting. Hope you are warm and well. Enjoy the sunshine. This has been a Motley Podcast production. Visit MotleyMag.net for more that makes you think, feel, and laugh.